going to jump back into our lesson text. Uh, we've been studying. We just completed uh, back uh, at the end of last year. Uh, our study of the book of Hebrews uh, and unpacking this last chapter from this book, uh, this rich doctrinal book that I think we would do all do well to understand. Because uh, in this passage uh, of scripture that we pull our, our, our message text from, and we're going to the 13th chapter, and we're going to look at verse number seven. Start at verse number 15, that 13th chapter of Hebrews. But we, we know and understand that the context of it was that these Hebrew Christians were facing persecution because of their newfound faith in Christ. They had come out of Judaism and they had they'd left behind uh, the tenets of Judaism and some of the old the rituals and the holy days and the dietary restrictions. And now they're walking with Christ. But some problems occurred because of that. Their, their family members, their Jewish brethren and cousins kicked them out of the temple, kicked them out of the house. They lost jobs. They were persecuted, even thrown in jail. And so now some of them were thinking about going back to what Christ had delivered them out of. So this, this writer encouraged them that what you have in Christ is far better than what you came out of. OK, that's a, that's a nutshell. So in this 13th chapter, he wraps up and he begins to tell them, here's some things that should be evident in your life if you're really walking by faith and walking with Jesus. So we entitle this part, this 13th chapter, show me the evidence. Everybody say, show me, show me. the evidence. Yeah. Say it one time, say, show me, show me. the evidence. You know, when I was playing ball in college and in high school, uh, you know, there were a lot of guys who talked noise. Y- y'all ever, ever played against somebody who talked noise on the court, on the football field, just incessantly talking and saying what they're going to do? And I didn't have very much respect for a guy who all he did was talk. But the guy who could back up his talk was the guy who I was respecting and I was, I was, I was, uh, I was fond of. And so a lot of times in Christendom, We do a lot of talking. We do a lot of studying. But this in this 13th chapter, we want to see some evidence. People need to see evidence in our life that we're really connected with Jesus. Are you on track with me today? Because there's a lot of churches full of people who name the name of Christ. But is there evidence in your faith walk? Is there evidence that you're growing and being a disciple believer who's walking amen, in the things of God in your everyday life? There's a pastor, and before we get started, there's a pastor that did some research. And uh, when he did this research, he was just kind of looking at some of the trends of the members of this congregation. And in his research, he found that we talk about coming to church and showing the evidence and being prepared to learn. He said, he said that most people do not prepare in any significant way for church. I'm repeat that. Most people do not prepare in any significant way for church. Well, I know you prepare by getting ready. I prepare by uh, putting on your Sunday best, right? Or your Sunday dress downs, right? All right. How many of y'all grew up in church? And I heard Jeff talking about jeans. This morning. How many of y'all grew up in church, in a church culture where you did not dare wear jeans to church? How many of y'all grew up in a church culture, ladies, where you did not dare step inside of that church without a dress on? Right? They would run you out of there. Now, I could understand what they were trying to do is talking about dressing in moderation. But what, what, what many of our forefathers failed to realize, that your righteousness is not wrapped up in how you look on the outside. Can I get a witness up in here? 
And so as a matter, as a matter of fact, there's freedom in Christ Jesus as a, the Bible says dress in moderation, right? And, and I would much rather be comfortable coming to the house of the Lord. So when I get ready to lift my hands, ain't nothing restricting me. If I want to jump, I can jump. If I, can, if I want to clap, I want to clap. If I want to do like the summer says, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph, I can shout and my tie don't restrict my vocal cords. See, sometimes, just like in this book of Hebrews, we get caught up on traditions and the way we've done things and our traditions become our God. So much so that when the Lord is saying, I'm moving in a new direction, you won't move. Because we don't do it that way around here. This is the way we've always done it, and I'm going to die doing it that way. Baby, that's a wrong mentality to take because God is always moving. He's always ever-changing. He, he is a God who moves in different ways and in mysterious ways, although he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, but God moves in a different way. And these Hebrew Christians here were facing people who didn't understand that now in Christ Jesus, there's a different way to connect with God. We don't have to wait on the high priest to go into the holiest of holiness to offer a sacrifice for our sins any longer. We can go to God for ourselves. My Bible, I don't know what yours says, my Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so he says, it's, I, I start out by saying his research showed that most people don't prepare in any significant way for church other than getting dressed. That's how I got on the sidebar. In an average church, fewer than half of the worshipers pray for their encounter with the sermon. I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of y'all prayed about church this morning? How many of y'all pray, God, as I go today, give me a rhema word that will transform my life. God, I pray that my pastor don't get sidetracked too much, but he stay with the word of God and he speaks something in my life that will help me to do better. Most folks just get up and come. Preparation. He says, watch this. He says, half of the, he says, in an average church, fewer than half of the worshipers pray for their encounter with the sermon, and less than a third pray for their pastor or his preparation. Only one in five people take the time to reread the scripture text given during the sermon. In other words, we sit here and I, and I preach for about 55 minutes. I'm, I'm cutting it down to 50 to 45. Yeah, I'm cutting it down. Did I scare some of y'all just then? All right, now watch this. Here's what I tell you. When it, when it comes to the gospel, why are we so eager to get away from it? Well, Brother Pastor, you know, you understand, you know, we're, we're in an age now where, where they, we have social media and people's uh, attention spans are, are very short. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you, you got to give them 20 minutes to sit down. Well, here's what I recognize as a pastor that 85% of you all don't do any study apart from Sunday morning. And so if all you got is what I give you, you may be in trouble when it comes to trying to fight the devil. Can I get a witness? So I'm going to give you all I can give you and catch you next week. Because I left off last week in this 17th verse. Let's go there right quick. See, Hebrews 13, verse number 17. And, and uh, I, I need you to, 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 to look at this right quick. And, and because you got to be careful how you hear. 
And I want you to start doing this. Start preparing for church other than getting dressed what you're going to wear. Now we get prepared for what we want to wear, right? How many of y'all got your clothes? Any of y'all got it out Saturday? How many of y'all like that? Get it out the day before. How many of y'all, how many of y'all thought about what you're going to wear this morning? How many of y'all thought about what you're going to wear? You just, okay. <laughs> Preparation is important in all aspects of life. Would y'all agree? Watch this text, okay? And so, so we got to be careful. It says this. Obey. Come on, let's read. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your what? That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now, again, we stop in here because this is where we left off. But we talked about the four evidences. We said enjoying spiritual fellowship. You have those in your notes. Here's some things that should be evident in your life. If you're enjoying true spiritual fellowship, there should be brotherly love exhibited. There should be hospitality shown in your life. There should be uh, the helping of those who are in prison and mistreated. The, uh, those, you should be walking in purity in your marriage. And you should be walking in a state of contentment. But submitting to spiritual leadership is where we are today and where we need to make sure that we have our anchor uh, uh, solidly planted. There's an Anglican preacher by the name of John Stott. In this book, Between the, Word, Between the Worlds, he wrote this statement. Now, listen to this very carefully. He says, seldom, if ever in its long history, has the world witnessed such a self-conscious revolt against authority. I'm going to repeat that. Hear what he says. Seldom, if ever in its long history, has the world witnessed such a self-conscious revolt against authority. And I think he was spot on when he wrote that. Let me ask you a question, okay? When you hear the words authority or submission, what comes to your mind? Think about it for a second. Do you welcome them as pleasant words when you hear authority, submission, or obey? When I read that passage there, did, it, did something on the inside of you well up? Think about it for a second. Put it back up there, if you will. Hebrews 13 and 17. Did something on the inside of you Kind of say, mm, well, I'm my own man. Huh. He think he think he can tell me what to do. Huh? I got my own rights. I, 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 I don't no man rule over me. Did those kind of thoughts come to your mind? Or were you like authority, submission? Great. I can't tell you the number of times whenever I read in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, when it says wives, submit yourself to your own husband. How many dirty looks I get from wives out there? Because sometimes we don't truly understand what those words mean. And it's critically important that we understand meanings of words because meanings of words unlock, unlock the doctrinal truth that is, that, is, that is possessed by that word in that verse of scripture. Are y'all with me today? This nation that we live in was founded on a rebellion against authority. And because, you know, taxation without representation. Folks say we don't want that, right? And, and, and one of its early mottos was don't tread on me. How many of y'all have heard that before? Okay. We have a defiant national spirit that exalts individual rights. And, and thank God for individual rights. But the concept of submission to authority 
has somehow evaded us, even those who are born again believers who live in this country and say that they love God and they're submitting their life to Christ, but are not really, really submitting their life to Christ. Not really willing to obey their spiritual leaders. Because after all, I can do what I want to do. Why, why is that, guys? Why is it? I think we have that mindset in our churches today, in Christendom today, because we don't understand what it means to live in kingdom. We don't, we don't know what it means to, to walk in the kingdom of God. Jesus, if you go back and study his life and in, in, in the Gospels, he talked a whole lot about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He talked about walking in kingdom principle and walking in kingdom agenda. I told you one of my favorite definitions of kingdom agenda is what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says it's the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of your life. I'm going to repeat that. It is the visible. Everybody say visible. If it's visible, that means people can see it. Brother Jeff quoted one of the scriptures that's been, been resonating here is so strong that when God told me, I'm going to use you to be the bridge to bring different ethnicities together in the body of Christ. Because that was always his plan. Jesus prayed, I pray that they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and the world will believe that you love them just as much as you love me. What would be that sign? The unity of the believers. When the, when the, when the world sees believers operating in unity across ethnic lines, across denominational lines, then they're going to believe that Jesus is real. So I always ask this question, is it any wonder when you look at the church, I'm not talking about the world. I am talking about the church. Is it any wonder that the world is doubtful of our Jesus? When they see us fussing, fighting, dividing, splitting, uh, not connected with one another, not having authentic community. Is it any wonder that they doubt it? Because Jesus says when they see, everybody say see. Everybody say show me the evidence. You say you love everybody, but what are your actions showing? You say you love Jesus and you submit your will to his, but what, what, what happens to you when Jesus' word says do something that you're really not comfortable doing or you don't want to do? Can I get a witness? See, our, our culture, guys, and I'm moving here. Our culture is influenced by something called postmodernism. You probably heard that term before. And postmodernism holds to the thought that there, there's no absolute truth and that each person is free to make, make up or interpret truth as he sees fit. Maria, what was that statement you told me the other day? And I, I, repeat it right quick for me. What did you tell me about a lie? A lie is the new truth. Do you not realize that when I look at even on the political spectrum, how much lying goes on? This, this recent politician, and I don't get into politics. I'm preaching the gospel, but I want to share with you how, how, how we've gotten to the point to where lying don't even bother us anymore. We can know they lying. Well, it's good for me, so I'm going to keep them there. This guy here just made up a story. Now, 30 years ago, he would have been booted out right away. But now it's, well, you know, we need his vote for power. So uh, we ain't going to say anything right now. Guys, let me tell you something. The devil, the Bible says Satan is the what? Father of lies. And whenever you see a lying culture, you see Satan running rampant. 
And if God forbid that you find a lying culture in the church. But it happens, guys. But again, watch this, watch this. So postmodernism says uh, it holds to the thought that there is no absolute truth and that each person is free to make up or interpret truth as he sees fit. Therefore, your truth is fine for you, but I got my own truth. Have have y'all heard people saying that? I'm speaking my truth. This is my truth. Listen, baby, if you are, if you belong to Jesus, you've been bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself, so you don't even, shouldn't even have your own truth. Your truth is that of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is word, and his word is truth. <laughs> Jesus even said this way, I am the way, the truth, and Right. No man comes into the father except by me. So in this postmodern world, everybody got their own truth. You can believe as you like, but you must also let me believe as I like. Truth is not authoritative. I am the authority over my life and I use my own means for my own ends. That's where a lot of people are today. They speak in their truth. But I'm here to tell you, as long as God allows me to, to be the voice from this pulpit, we'll always speak gospel truth, authoritative, authoritative biblical truth. And that's what we will stand on. It's not about my opinion or my thought. It's about what does God's word say? And am I willing to take that word and live by it? So, so when we look down, we said submitting to spiritual leadership. I told you on last week that what type of spiritual leaders should we follow? Number one, those who... Those who, who do what? Speak the word of God. Those who provide an example of living by faith and those who demonstrate Christian maturity in their conduct. Those are the kind of spiritual leaders we should follow. Well, two things we must do according to Hebrews 13. Go back to 17 and we're going to go on down through verse 19. Hebrews 13, verse 17 through 19. Watch this. Two things we got to do. And I got a lot of scripture I want you to go to. And one of the reasons why I want to go to scripture is. Because I like to let the Bible speak. I like, to, I like for us to hear what the Holy Spirit said through the authors of Scripture so that you don't think I'm making this stuff up. Because I know that when I, when I read, every time I read Hebrews 13 and 17, I feel something in my spirit with some of y'all. I mean, it's, like, it's almost like you're, you're that person who, who's individualistic and says, you know, I, I do what I want to do and... and, and and, and I don't I don't really, you know, I don't really need a pastor to tell me how to treat my wife. Well, your pastor ain't going to tell you how to treat your wife. I'm going to let the word of God tell you how to treat your wife. And the word of God says, love her like Christ loved the church and Christ loved the church unconditionally. I'm going to. Well, you you're telling me to submit and reverence my husband. Don't tell me. To do that. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you what the word of God says. God says reverence and submit to the authority of your husband. I'm going to talk about authority just for a second. OK. Watch this, watch this. Are y'all there? Hebrews 13 and 17. Let's read together. Ready? Read. Obey your spiritual leaders. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with you. And not with sorrow. That was certainly. All right, all right. So, so watch this now. And we'll talk about it in just a second. But that last part says, if, if, you're, if you're giving them your, your pastoral leadership or your church leadership uh, uh, the reason to be sorrowful, he says right here, that's not to your benefit. All right? Y'all, y'all track with me today. 
So, 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 so number one, what we see here is, is two things we must do according to Hebrews 13. Go, read 18 and 19. Let's go. 18 19. Let's go. Says what? 18 says what? Pray for us for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. 19. And especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Now, again, remember when we started this book, we said we don't know specifically who the author of this text is. Many have, there are many theories and thoughts about who the author is, but even though we don't know specifically who he is, we know all scriptures inspired by God. And God, the Holy Spirit gave man the unction to write and they wrote the, 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 the word of God under the inspiration of Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me today? All right. So, so we got to obey godly two things we must do according to these verses number one obey godly leaders why why two things because they watch over your souls because they got to be accountable to god for for your soul and secondly because if you cause them grief you're gonna cause yourself grief can i put it that way if you cause your spiritual leadership grief you're gonna cause yourself grief because he just said if you do that and, and, and they have to do it with sorrow it's not gonna be beneficial for you Amen. Now, let's think about this for a second. God has constituted various levels of authority under his ultimate authority. Is that correct? The purpose of all authority. Don't miss this. The purpose of all authority is to protect and to bless those who are under authority. I got to repeat that. The purpose of all authority is to protect and bless those under authority. God establishes the authority of civil governments to protect and bless law-abiding citizens from those that would harm or take advantage of them. And so when the government does its job right, criminals get punished, foreign invaders uh, are kept at bay, and the people can dwell in peace. Hear me carefully. To the extent that government leaders are corrupt or negligent, the citizens will suffer. Now, I don't know if y'all saw that video that was released by that young man that was beaten to death by five police officers up in Memphis, Tennessee. That is a travesty to the nth degree. And those who wear those badges represent authority. And here you see authority run amok. Oh, y'all, how many of y'all saw that? It was, it was, it was, it was almost too, too much to watch. And so when you have people in authority who are not carrying out authority in a God-honoring way, the citizens suffer. Are y'all with me today? And so we got to get better at at learning how to govern ourselves. Can I get a witness? And so, so, so God, but God, make no mistake about it, God created civil government. And he created for the protection of the citizenry, right? When he says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God which is God, that means you need to pay your taxes. April 15 is coming, right? You can't say, well, I'm, 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 I'm operating in the kingdom of God. I don't pay taxes. You know, some people who think that, that, that they don't have an obligation, but if you're here and you're driving on the roads, how do y'all think those roads get paved? Tax money. How, 
how do you think we get a, a, a lot of different things that we have in society uh, that, that we enjoy collectively? It's because of the dollars that come from your pocket. The government don't have any money except the money that comes from you and I or your business. Right. But those taxes are paid so that civil government can operate. So God is the one who created civil government. That's why he says. Obey those in, in, in the church who have rule and authority. But he also talked about the fact that we should respect and submit ourselves to government authorities. If you go back to the book of Romans, he talks about that. That's why, you know, and, and that, let me tell you all something. Government authorities don't always get it right. But if if I get pulled over or if I if I go into a place and they tell me to take my shoes off, like I'm going, to, I hate taking my shoes off going to the airport. How many of y'all like taking shoes off? I don't like that. But you know why I do that? Because that that agency that's that's responsible for securing us tells me I got to do that. Right. So I go on and do that for the safety and the benefit of all of us. So we got to realize that when when God ordained civil government and as long as civil government does not tell us to do something that's against God's word, we are under obligation to do it. Not just because you agree with it, but if the, if your civil government does not tell you to do anything that's inherently immoral, then you're obligated to do it if you're going to be all right with God. Do I need to go to the Bible to prove it to you? Do I, do y'all, y'all didn't, can I get five amen out there? Amen. Y'all look at me like, well, you know, if I want to do it. No, no, no. What if everybody decide I'm just not going to pay any taxes because I don't want to? What if everybody decided that? We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? Because there would be no money to operate the civil government, which all of us, in some degree, are are touched by government. How many of y'all get your trash picked up? If you live within a city limit, uh, let your trash go without being picked up for about four or five weeks. And what will happen? Your house will begin to stink. And those, those, the trash collection is usually paid by your local uh, government, uh, and they pay for those people to come out and pick it up. So if nobody's paying for them to pick it up, they won't pick it up. Then now we got garbage all over the place. How many of y'all remember years ago when the garbage collector went on strike in New York City? And they had garbage, all rats all in the street. Not a good sight, right? All right? So, so we, we, we do this because God is the one who established civil government. In, in the family, God appoints the husband to have authority under Christ, under, ever under Christ. Under Christ in order to protect and bless his wife and his children. The husband is to provide for his family, according to what 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says, to protect his family from physical and spiritual danger and to bless his family by leading them in the ways of God. Hear me carefully. An ungodly husband who uses authority for his own selfish ends is abusing the authority that God has entrusted to him. And he's going to have to answer to God for that. But in the church, let's go to church. God established authority in the government. He established authority in the family. As a matter of fact, the family came before the government did. It was Adam and Eve first, right? And God gave them assignment. But in the church, God has appointed pastors or shepherds to oversee the flock. Let's go to Acts 20 and 28 with me right quick. Acts 20 and verse number 28. I want to just go through these passages so you won't think I'm making this stuff up. Amen? Because it says, when it says obey your spiritual leaders... Let me break it down to you, because when you hear that over the pulpit, you're like, well, okay, I got that. I'm I'm mentally assent to that. But what that says is when your spiritual leadership gives you direction that lines up with scripture, 
and you don't do it, you're out of the will of God. Okay? But you're praying every day, though. You're praying every day. You're speaking in tongues. You're going to feed the hungry, but you're not doing and following the vision of the house that you said the Holy Spirit led you to be a part of. Are you listening to me? God is watching you. And God actually has a problem with you. Just like he would have a problem with me if I don't submit to his word. Okay. Are y'all still here? Watch what the text says. Let's read. Let's go. Come on. So guard yourselves and God's people. Let's back up. Go to verse 25. Back up to verse number 25. Come on. Oh, my goodness. My time is running. And now I know that none of you, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Who's talking here? Paul. Preached the kingdom. I preached the kingdom. It says, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it ain't my fault. Talking with Paul that said, listen, if listen, don't let it be that somebody missed heaven and missed knowing Jesus because you failed to share your faith with him. Paul says, I declare today that I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Keep going. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. A, 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 a good pastor will preach the full unadulterated word of God and he will not pull punches because somebody may get mad and leave the church. Baby, let me tell you something. Uh, here's what I've learned a long time ago. I would much rather you be mad at me than have God mad at me. So I just, I just share what God's word says. Watch this. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. 28. So, so guard yourselves and God's people. He's talking to church leaders here. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, Purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. Over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders, as church leaders. The Holy Spirit appointed. Okay. Are y'all track with me today? Go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Hurry, hurry, hurry. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. And I thank God for you giving me your listening ear today. Obeying spiritual leadership is important. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to say this. This, is, this. this doesn't mean that you obey somebody blindly. I, you should always check me out and check any spiritual leader out. Chase it by the word. Y'all know what it means to chase it? How many used to drink? Come on, let's see hands of y'all that, 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 that drink uh, pretty heavy. How many of y'all, if, if you drink, okay, come on now. I know you're saved. I know you're on the deacon board now, but, but, but talk to me. Let's go back to your pre-salvation days. Or for some of y'all, it wasn't your pre-salvation days. Just you, you, you were still a little carnal in Christ Jesus. So how many of y'all ever drink strong drink and had to chase it? Y'all know what it means to chase it? 
Somebody help. What does that mean? Come on. Yeah, you, you, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. It's strong, so you, you chase it. You push something behind to help it go down because that strong stuff can kind of mess your esophagus up, okay? So, so, so watch this. Watch this. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Jerry, you threw me off, man. You threw me off. <laughs> but now watch this. It says, it says talk about leadership. You got, you know, Leadership, okay, spot, follow leadership. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Watch this, watch this. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. He's telling spiritual leaders how to shepherd the flock. Are y'all with me today? Not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. I was, I, I know where I was going with that earlier. Is that, you know, and I told you, you don't follow somebody blindly, but you, you, you check out what they say and does it line up with scripture? And I'm, I'm going to, when we get through here, I want us to go to Acts the 17 chapter and look at the Berean Christians and see what they did, Okay. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Watch, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Willingly and grudgingly are adverbs that tell you how to watch, spiritual leader. So if you ever come to a point in your walk as a spiritual leader, even if it's a pastor or if it's a ministry leader, if you're over a certain area and you can't do it willingly and you're doing it grudgingly, it is time for you to back up and sit down. Because if you're going to be obedient, you got to do it willingly and not grudgingly. Let me ask you a question. Are you serving grudgingly? If you are, I'm giving you permission to sit down. Because you're not pleasing God. And you're going to, you're going to run yourself in the ditch. He says what? Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to, to your care. In other words, don't be a tyrant. Don't be that type of leader who's just bombastic and, 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 and just hard and, and out, way out there, okay? Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Next verse, let's read. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Verse number five says what? Well, uh, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to those who walk in humility. He opposes the proud. Amen. Pride is one of those sneaky sins that you don't even realize you're walking in it. And it sneaks up on you because you think it's all about you. Now go to Acts 17 11. Come on, guys. Let's move. Follow me as I follow Christ. I think that's what Paul says. It's certainly okay, and I strongly encourage each of you to be like these believers in Berea. Watch what the text says. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. The KJV said they were more noble. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. I want to know how many of y'all are listening eagerly this morning. How many of you are... How you listen. 
Luke 8 and 18, I believe. You don't have to go to Jabal. I think I quote it. It says, be careful how you listen. See, when you come to church, how are you actually listening? What, what's going through your mind right now? Are you thinking that, that, that my time is running a little bit longer? Or are you thinking, let me hear something else he has to say that God is trying to get into my, into my life so that I can be obedient and walk in, in, in line with him? What's going on in your mind? How are you listening? Are you listening attentively? Are you listening with the mindset that I want to digest this because I want to govern my life. I want to learn how to walk in kingdom authority. When I'm walking in kingdom authority, then show me the evidence will be evident in my life because when I'm walking in kingdom authority, then God's word will be visible in how I treat people, how I, how I work, how I treat my family, how I do life, right? It says, they were no, they, 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 and they listen eagerly to Paul's message. They search what? The scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And always, everybody say always. Always, always, whenever you hear a message, search the scripture to see if what is being said lines up with scripture. I challenge you all the time to do that. Amen. I, I love sitting down and reasoning together out of the scripture with people. As long as an individual is seeking to be faithful and submissive to what the Bible teaches. Don't come to me and you trying to come to me to prove your point. Let's come. Let's come and look at the scripture, see what the scripture says. And we can if we can rightly divide the word of truth then we're cool. But most people, when they come or if I preach something or if you share something with them that that hits where they're living, they try to defend how they're living. Rather than saying, "Okay, well, maybe maybe I'm missing something here. Let me can we go back and and exegete that text? Can we go back and see who is writing to what was going on there? And let, let's see if I can get some understanding about what you just said. Man, I relish that. I challenge you to do that, okay? That's critically important. Hebrews 13 and 17 tells us that obedience to godly leaders is for our benefits. Disobedience to them would not be for our benefit. God designed authority to protect and to bless. Everybody say protect and bless. If you disobey godly church leaders who proclaim God's word to you, you are really disobeying God. Which always has some serious consequences. Go to Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Very familiar passage. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Spiritual children are just like natural children. Your natural children can be a source of tremendous joy, can't they? Oh, look at that little sweet little baby girl. And they can be a source of tremendous grief. I said your children can be a source of tremendous joy. And I don't care how saved they are. They can be a source of tremendous grief. How many of you are rich your children and, you, and you're like, man, they get it. They get it. And all of a sudden they don't get it anymore. Yeah. Then they start doing stuff. You're like, did that person come out of our loins? That that person who grew up and he was sweet little old nuki nuki or whoever they were. And now all of a sudden, they're like a demon from the backside of hell. You're like, what, what are they thinking? So, 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 so spiritual children can be just like 
natural children. They can be a, a, a source of great joy, but they also can be a source of great grief also. Look at what text says. Watch this. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. KJV says you will reap what you sow. Verse 8. Watch this. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Every pastor has had frequent occasion both for joy and for groaning over people in the flock. Let's let's look at Paul right quick. Paul, can I give these to you right quick? First Thessalonians chapter two. Look at verses 19 and 20. Let's go there right quick. Let me give you one of each one of them. There was time for great joy, but it's also time for great sorrow. He says, after all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, when he returns? It is you. Look at what Paul is saying to these folks. Yes, you are our pride and joy. Sound like a proud papa, doesn't it? How many of y'all have been proud of your kids when they've done something like Maybe just graduated high school, graduated college, got a new job, got a promotion, whatever. You're proud of them, right? So Paul sounds like a proud papa. Yes, you are our pride and joy. Go to Galatians uh, 1 and 6 right quick and, the, and also Galatians 4 and 19. Watch what he says here. So he was, he, was, he was proud of them. But look at what he says here. He says, I am, he's talking to the Galatians believers. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news of the gospel. Watch this. Next verse. He says, but, but it's, not the, it's not the gospel. It's not good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Look at 14, 4, 4 and 19 with him right quick. Galatians 4 and 19. Glory to God. He says this. If we can get that right quick. Galatians 4 and 19. He says this. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. Paul says, I feel like I'm in labor dealing with you. How many mothers remember those labor pains? You're birthing that baby. And there's joy to come, but there's some intense pain, right? Paul says, you Galatians, he, in the third chapter, he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you? Who's, who's tricked you to where now you, 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 you gain Christ by faith, but now you think you can gain him by keeping the law? He says, it's just like I'm in labor. And sometimes I'm telling you, don't, don't make your pastoral leadership or your church leadership be in labor with you. Now, it's one thing when you don't understand something, you're trying to get somewhere. But it's another thing when you're just hard-headed. Anybody been hard-headed? Am I the only one that's been hard-headed before? Have you ever been hard-headed when the Scripture clearly shares something, but you fight against what the Word of God says because you don't want to stop living or responding the way you respond? Now, now, leaders, leaders must be must 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 exude and exhort with patience. And we must allow people time to to, to work through some difficult things when they they may not understand it. I don't give up on anybody. And like I said, I know I I, those for those who are business today. I tell our church family all the time about 15 percent of the time. You ought to be a little bit warm with me. Maybe even 20 percent of the time. If you're halfway living right. 
you ought to be a little bit warming because if I'm doing and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit who knows what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing necessarily, but the Holy Spirit knows. If I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, then I should be preaching something that deals with what you're dealing with. I should be preaching something that talks about your attitude or the way you're doing something or or some stance you've taken that may not be in line with God's will. And so when I preach that and I hit your stuff, come on, how many of y'all know when your stuff get hit, it don't feel good, does it? Now, we're we're, 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 we're so happy and we'll say, amen, preach it, preacher, when it's hitting your wife or or your husband. When it's hitting your child or your grandmama or your mother, you, 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 oh, preach it, Rev, Rev, come on, Rev. We give you 15 more minutes, Rev. But when the Holy Ghost comes to your house, you all mad now. I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says. Are y'all with me? Now watch. So obey godly leaders. Obey, everybody say obey godly leaders. Say it again, say obey. obey. That means that when, when, your, when your spiritual leadership is teaching you the word of God and it's clear in the word of God, I don't care what culture or society says. Here's the problem that we have in the church today. Too many of y'all are concerned about what culture and society and your political party says rather than what God's word says. Well, what are people going to think of, what are people going to think about me if, if I, if I, if I do this, what do they don't think about me if I, if, I, if I really start loving people like Christ loved the church? What, is, what, what do they think about me when I start inviting people to my house that don't look like me? What are they going to think? I don't care what they think. I want to know what Jesus thinks. And Jesus says, walk in unity. He says, Galatians 3 and 8. Go, come on. Y'all give me that. Galatians 3 and 8. I think that's where I want to go. Here Paul quotes what he said back over in, is that what I want? Glory to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, what's more? The scriptures look forward for this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God claimed this good news to Abraham, what? Long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Go to the KJV right quick. Come on, hurry, hurry. If you can, Brother J. KJV on this. Because I want you to hear this. Every time I start talking about what, what God has told me about unity and, and, and bringing people together, some of y'all, some people get heartache about that. I'm going to say some of y'all. Some people get heartache about that. Because it, intellectually, we, 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 we assent to it, but, but practically and physically, we don't want to do it. This is evident. We blame it on culture. We blame it on everything except what it is. Our hearts need to be changed. Watch this. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preach before what? Preach before what? Word of gospel good news. Preach before the gospel under whom? Well, Abraham was for was before Jesus ever came to be born in the manger in Bethlehem. The gospel was preached before to Abraham saying, in thee, what is the gospel? What's the good news? In thee shall all nationalities be blessed. What was the gospel? What was the mystery of godliness? 
What was the mystery of godliness? Y'all, y'all studied that out of two people groups, God would make one. As far as God was concerned in, in the history, of the, in the annals of time, there were two people groups, Jew or Gentile. Let me tell you what Gentiles is. Whether you white, black, Asian, Latino, whatever you were. If you're not natural born Jew, you are Gentile. You're other ethnicities. And the Bible says out of two people groups, he made what? One. And Paul caught pure hell from his own people when he decided to go to preach the gospel to these other people groups. That's when he caught pure hell. He caught it from his own people. Are y'all with me? But that was the mystery of God. That was something that was not revealed in the old covenant, but is revealed in the new covenant that God, through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, would bring all together in him. So that in Christ Jesus, that neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek, we're all a one in Christ. And he calls for us to exhibit that unity in our everyday life. During Gray is famous for saying the church is color, not color blind, but color blessed. Celebrate the ethnicities. Celebrate the differences. Because what that does is that shows the world, hey, listen, that shows the world that, listen, there's some Jesus up in there somewhere because how in the world are they getting along and we can't get along? And when they come and ask us, we're going to say, it's because of the blood that, that makes us one. It's the blood that makes us one. It's the blood of Christ that causes me to walk in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ regardless of what they look like on the outside. Unpack it next week. (laughs) Paul preached that message of unity in such a profound way that he caught hell everywhere he went. And people who are preaching that message and trying to do it are catching hell today. But I'm willing to catch hell for the gospel. Because I know I'm right about this. I know what the word preaches about this. And it doesn't matter to me (laughs) what people say. I'm going to do what the word of God says. Show me the evidence. I like that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.